It's time for recipe of the day. If you're making a special meal in the next couple of days and are trying to decide if you want to brine the meat or not, this is the episode of recipe of the day for you. So today I am talking about brining, both wet brining and dry brining, how to do both and when to choose whether to do it or not and which one to choose. We're going to start with wet brining, but a lot of what we're saying about wet brining is also true of dry brining. So wet brining is simply soaking food in a salt water solution. You can add some extra ingredients and I will talk about that later, but really it's just salt and water. And what's happening is when you put meat into that solution, it draws some of the liquid out of it, but then it turns out that meats can absorb a higher quantity of salt water than they can regular water. So then it sucks the liquid back in, but because it's salt water that it's sucking in, it can get even more of it in. Now, all meat loses liquid while it's cooking through evaporation because there's heat all around it, right? But if you've added extra liquid in and the same amount gets evaporated because you end up cooking the meat for the same amount of time, the result is you have more liquid inside your meat if you brine it. And so it's going to seem juicier and more tender because there's more liquid in there. In addition, the salt goes in and it kind of dissolves some of the meat's muscle fibers in there. It's a kind of denaturing. And so that adds to some tenderness. Finally, what brining is doing is it is seasoning inside the meat. You know, normally when we cook meat, we can only get seasoning on the outside, the outside layer. But when we do this brining and it's getting sucked all the way in, then we're seasoning right through. So especially when you're doing like a bigger cut of meat, even like a chicken or a turkey, being able to season right into that meat is going to taste way better than when it's just coating the outside. But this is true even for like a chicken breast or pork chop or pork tenderloin. Getting the seasoning right in there is going to make a big difference. Now, if you're having trouble imagining what kind of effect I'm talking about. Think about like a turkey breast lunch meat. You know how when you buy turkey breast at the deli counter, it's just like juicier and saltier than when you cook turkey yourself? That lunch meat version of turkey has essentially been brined for a long time in a higher concentration than we're going to do when we're cooking at home. But it is still that brining process, that salt that has been sucked into the meat and that's giving it that different texture and that different flavor. What we're doing is going to be somewhere in between not brining, just regular cooking meat and that kind of lunch meat effect. Okay, what meats should you wet brine? Anything really lean is a good candidate for a wet brine. So we're talking chicken breast, whole chickens, and turkeys, pork chops, especially like loin chops, pork loin, and pork tenderloin. Those things are a little bit drier, a little bit leaner. They're going to benefit from having this liquid infusion. I do not tend to brine like juicier cuts of meat because they don't need it. It's an extra step. So I don't brine chicken thighs. And I tend tend to not brine any beef cuts. I do dry brine a lot of them though, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, now how do you wet brine? My basic brine solution is the same one, the same amount that you're going to find in a lot of reputable sources. I did a lot of research to make sure that I was on the right place with this, tested some different things, and this is the amount and the timing that works best. So you're starting with four cups of cold water, then you're adding in salt. Now the amount of salt you use depends on the kind of 
love salt. My go-to is the Morton's Kosher Salt, and it's going to be about four, four and a half tablespoons of the Morton's Kosher Salt for four cups of water. But if you have Diamond Crystal Kosher Salt, those crystals are a little bit bigger, and so you end up needing a little bit more of it. It's six tablespoons of that one. If you are using table salt or like a fine sea salt, anything that's just sort of normal grained salt, it's going to be three tablespoons for the four cups of water. Then you stir it really good until it's well dissolved. You can add in some other flavorings. I don't find that most things penetrate if you just add them into there. I will say that I do add a good couple tablespoons of garlic powder or like granulated garlic. Even when I'm doing just 45 minutes for chicken breast, I do find that that garlic is quite potent and makes a difference. But most other things aren't going to penetrate very well. If you do want to add some amazing flavor to your brine, I'm going to tell you, if you go to cookthestory.com and then search for brine, you're going to see all of my brining stuff, this how to brine, the dry brine, but also you're going to see my turkey brine recipe, which involves basically pulverizing all your flavorful ingredients with the salt and the water in a food processor. That brine, the flavor in there, all those fresh herbs, raw onion, raw garlic, it really penetrates into the meat. I find that works way better, and I did do the side-by-side test. It works better than what most recipes do, where they have you boil the water with the flavorful ingredients, that the water gets kind of infused, and then you have to cool that water down because you don't want to put your turkey or chicken into like hot or warm water, right? So it's kind of more time consuming, and I don't find that it gets quite as much of the amazing flavor as my pulverizing flavor bomb slurry of a brine. So do check out my best turkey brine recipe, or just play around with that. You've got your four cups of water, your four to six tablespoons of salt, depending on what kind of salt you're using, and then add in some herbs and ingredients and blend them in the food processor. You're going to be amazed by that. Okay, how long do you put the meat in the brine for? Now, you've probably heard me talk about my great chicken breast brining experiments. If you haven't, you need to listen to that episode. That was July 7th of 2022. If you're listening on a podcast app, scroll up to July 7th. If you are listening on the website, cookthestory.com slash ROTD, navigate to July 7th and listen to me talk about everything you need to know to make the best chicken breast ever. And it involves this brining step. And there I found that even 30 minutes is enough to have an effect. But going one to two hours for chicken breast is going to be great. Same with like one inch pork chops, pork tenderloins. One to two hours is going to be it. That is in the fridge for anything more than 45 minutes. If you're under 45 minutes, it can be on the counter for that. Just make sure you're using the cold water in your brine, not warm water. Then it's not safe for 45 minutes on the counter. Cold water with the salt, add the meat, 45 minutes on the counter. That's fine. If you're planning to do more than 45 minutes, it goes into the fridge. Chicken breast, pork chops, pork tenderloins, one to two hours. A whole chicken or like a turkey breast is four to six hours. A whole turkey, you can go as much as 12 hours. Same with like a nice big pork loin. After the time's up, you just take the meat out. Don't rinse it or anything. Pat it dry. And then you just cook it the way you would normally cook that piece of meat. Just don't add any extra salt. And I will just say that if you were hoping to get some drippings from roasting this meat, you might find that your drippings are a little bit salty. So I'm going to link to my best gravy recipe, which has a little bit of troubleshooting about what you could do when your drippings are salty. So I'll link to that for you. Okay, now let me quickly tell you about dry brining. Dry brining is just a little bit more 
more convenient because you don't need to mess with like big quantities of water. So especially when you're doing anything like really large, like a big turkey or a big roast, this can be really helpful. I also find that dry brining is better for beef cuts. They just don't take as well to the wet brining kind of treatment, but a nice dry brine works really well. And dry brining anything helps you get a nice dark crust after cooking because it dries out the outside of the meat. The way that dry brining works is you're sprinkling salt on the outside of the meat and that salt draws out the natural moisture from in the meat, which then mixes with the salt and reabsorbs in. And so you're bringing in all that salt flavoring and you're bringing in that denaturing or dissolving property that we saw from before. You're not really adding extra moisture though, but it does go a long way to add a lot of flavor and to tenderize the meat. When it comes to what else you can add, you are adding the salt, but you can add other seasonings. I will link to my how to dry brine a turkey, or like I said, if you go to cookthestory.com and search for brine, you will find all of these things there. That one, the turkey one, does have other seasonings added as well. I also do a dry age kind of dry brine on a classic roast beef that has other seasonings in. So any kind of other seasonings, that's going to sort of help absorb those flavors right into the meat as well. So all you really need to know is the amounts and the timing. So for a smaller cut, if you're going to dry brine chicken breast or a pork tenderloin, steaks or chops, you just use the same amount of salt that you would normally use when you are seasoning that before cooking. No extra is needed. So it's just that normal amount of salt distributed on both sides, all around the edges if you'd like. And then that is going on a rack in the fridge. Same as with the wet brine. If you're only doing 45 minutes, it can be on the counter any longer than 45 minutes, you do the whole thing in the fridge. Now, when you do it in the fridge, you end up being in there for long enough that the outside of the meat starts to really dry out, you know, and so the salt brings out the liquid and then it gets sucked back in. And then the outside is uncovered in your fridge and it dries out. And that is what leads to the extra crusty crust that you're going to get when you cook this later. Now, if you are doing larger cuts of meat, a nice big roast, you want a heavier coating of the salt. What you want to try and picture is imagine that you cut your roast into chops and then we're seasoning all the sides of those chops the way that you would to cook them. That's kind of the amount of salt that you want on the outside because as we know, that salt needs to penetrate all the way down in and so you want there to be that right amount of salt for that full roast. You see what I mean? Now, a bigger roast is going to go in into the fridge, uncovered, on a rack with a tray under it for a minimum of 12 hours up to 72 hours. Those smaller cuts that I was talking about, those are 45 minutes on the counter, or if you're doing more than 45 minutes, it's in the fridge the whole time for up to two hours. When the time is up, do not rinse it off or anything like that. You can pat it dry if you want to, but I don't think that really does anything. And then you are just cooking it the way that you normally would. That is all. You're going to get nice, crusty outside, really juicy and tender and flavorful inside. Dry brining, wet brining are both amazing things to try. I'm going to put the link to the wet brining at cookthestory.com slash ROTD and in the show notes, but you can get to the dry brining from there and just from going to cookthestory.com and searching for brine or dry brine. You will find all of my brining recipes and tips there on cookthestory.com. I am Christine Pittman from Cook the Story. Let's get cooking. (laughs) 